0: Thank you for joining us today at Elemental Collision. My name is Dave Graham. Today we're talking with Carol Rossborough of Esther about giving, trust, and community. Let's have a listen. All right, Carol, it is a wonderful opportunity to get to talk to you this morning. I know I've, again, we were just just talking in the preview about how I had met Ailish, who was your co-founder of Esther, but now I get to meet the other co-founder of Esther. So um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. And again, I think I'm doing a tour of Northern Ireland at this point and you know, all the great um, mindshare social enterprise capabilities. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling and it's amazing. And I, I want to talk about it and I want to talk to yeah. you about all of that as well. So Esther, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a biblical name.
1: You know? It is. It is a bit. Um, Where? Yeah. Let's start there. Where on earth did we get the name of Esther? And um, well, essentially, what what we do, if I if I kind of go through the backbone and the DNA, and then we can kind of talk about the name. Um, so what we do is we connect people who want to help with people who are in financial crisis and we you know essentially we do peer-to-peer giving so if you imagine what the charity space looks like today if there is somebody in financial crisis in your community um, usually you're not personally connected to that person Um, they are normally connected to a charity so it could be a food bank or a women's shelter or um even schools are starting, you know, foundations and non, you know, nonprofit wings to kind of accommodate families that are in need. So you have these kind of institutions that are the trust hubs, and they're connected to the people in need. And then what you do as a donor is you trust them to get your donation to that person in need. So you're putting a lot of faith in these organizations and some of them are great and we work with some really fantastic organizations and some of them just just aren't, they're just not, they're not great. And I think we've seen over the years these scandals and um, news headlines about donations being abused and used for all sorts of things and what we're seeing in this next generation of really hardcore social impact driven millennials is this you know this need for transparency and this need for trust and so what we've enabled donors to do is actually to give directly to the person in need um, with the peace of mind that that donation would be protected and spent on something helpful so we've sort of um we've changed the trust dynamic. The trust was donor to charity. Hey, I trust this charity and then charity do a good job of getting that money to someone in need. And it's just broken. And so what we do now is we say, look, we're going to verify that person in need through uh, some referral partners and you get to actually give directly to them. So it's, it's kind of changing flipping the whole thing on its head a little bit and so what we do is very uh, connected. It's very nurturing. It's quite a powerful um, dynamic. It is anonymous, but it is very um, personal. And so we wanted, we wanted. A, we're two female founders, um, and we wanted something that was feminine and strong. A name that we could call this movement. You know, we don't call ourselves a platform. We're we're really a movement of people. So something quite feminine and strong. And um, the word esther, um, if you think about est and oestrogen, it's quite sort of rooted in like the depths of femininity, you know, and Mm -hmm. Easter as well. So that's all in there and kind of the Latin origins of the word. and, And that's, you know, all about the goddess of fertility. And so and then esther as well is kind of rooted in that biblical character of um you know the Jewish queen who was born an orphan and was raised up and saved her nation from genocide. So she was like one of the earliest heroines uh of our time. So we have this this lovely name that's kind of rooted in all things feminine and powerful and nurturing and we loved it. So and the website was available. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always key. It's always key. That's an accessibility <laughs> moment for you. Yeah. Like, hey, if the website's there, it's yeah, it
1: it's available so we it all kind of lined up for us and then we kind of put it out there and um you know there's a lot of I think there's a lot of tech at the moment that's being named kind of feminine names you know that you've got Alexa um there's quite a lot of fintech products coming out like apps like Emma and bank accounts and things so you know it is I suppose it is on trend as well But yeah, that's that's where the name came from, and uh, that's what we do. We connect people who want to help directly with those who are in need. You know, in their own community, it's kind of hyper local and connected giving. You know, your donation, your community, um, and yeah, that's what we do. That's a lot in the
0: name, right? I I love the (laughs) I love the thinking that went into it. I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of people just pick things and they kind of toss it out there oh hey yeah like you're saying it's on trend i got this name but Mm -hmm. the meaning doesn't match the name you know like sometimes it just gets diluted in there and you kind of look at like all right well you know i'm gonna beat on apple for a little bit apple and they sell tech products you know like what's you know what's in the name but i think there's there's a that that level and what you talk through and i love the strength that comes through in that you know you're You know, both from a mythological standpoint as well as a historical standpoint, combining two things that are incredible, and and it points to your vision and points to what you're doing. You mentioned community, which is what I've been talking about a lot (laughs) with a lot of people, and I want to get your thoughts on what community means to you. So let's start there. What does community mean to you? How do you define a community?
1: Well... I think it's changing. So, I mean, I think pre-COVID community would have, um, would have been much more localized and, um, you know, people of a same mindset trying to create some kind of change or fulfill a need. And I think it's very primal. It's, it's what, uh, we're born to do. We're, we're born to be connected. I think connection is one of those things that we, treasure in our lives and whether that's just family or uh, through interest groups but ultimately we have this innate human desire to be connected and to feel connection and to feel belonging um so i think that's how i would sort of define community as connection and belonging and purpose so those are my those are my bullet points for you dave connection purpose um, and belonging (laughs) but We like we like some bullet points. But I think I think as well what's really been churning over in my mind is that community is now very dispersed. So we have this opportunity to redefine what it means to belong and what it means to connect with people. And yeah, I I think it is changing. I think it's one of those seasons where the world is in transition and how people connect and how people feel belonging is is changing. But Bringing it back to the technology, I think what we aim to achieve through Esther was connection and purpose um, for our donors. Um, And one of the things that's been really interesting is who is giving through Esther? So when we initially started this movement, um, it was a very feminine, very women women empowering women um, concept. And this was like white papers way back in the day, where initially we you know we wanted to tap into the the sort of the movements that were happening around the world of of women really empowering each other and It made sense on paper that those would be our main donors, women kind of in their 40s, 50s, even 60s, who are now earning more money and are ready to give back and maybe want to be connected to women from less fortunate backgrounds. And so, and we are doing elements of that. We are doing, um, there's an empowering mothers program that we're running where women are giving to women. But surprisingly to us, 60% of our donors were actually men in their um, sort of between 20 and 45. So we found that really interesting. And these were guys that didn't typically give to charity other than sponsoring someone's marathon run or, you know, giving a fiver over for like a coffee morning or something. So they weren't um, investing on a monthly basis or had any particular um, charitable uh, affiliation. And so this was news to us and we sort of did some research on it. We were chatting to these guys and we were like, you know, what is it about this movement that has kind of caught you? And a lot of them are from a development background or coders or working in tech or founders. or. And what they're saying is, you know, I work at a desk nine to five or I'm in, in the founder world, you know, 12 to 12. Sure. <laughs> and, um. um they aren't connected in such a massive way to their communities. And they're not doctors or physios that are like encountering people on a daily basis that they get a chance to help. And so they had this like a uh, void of purpose in their daily life. So you know, they were creating great products, they had great work lives, they had lovely families and they went on holidays and they had their lives, but they weren't in there, you know, they weren't leaving a legacy and they really had no channels that were open to them to leave a legacy and they found that Esther, because it was so direct and so transparent and facilitated this kind of relationship. Now it's, it's anonymous as a donor, you get a profile. You know who the person is, and you get an idea on a monthly basis of how they're getting on. So you get a little report through, and you know Joanne and her children are um, doing really well this month, and they've been able to hold a birthday party, and your money went towards groceries and some presents. And so you get this nice kind of um, feeling of connection and journey with someone in need, and this really appealed to the guys. And so it just was really surprising to me, but. That's something that has been lovely, is that everyone desires community, everyone desires connection, and to be able to um, help those less fortunate. Um, And what we've managed to do is create a product... That is appealing to people who didn't have that channel before or didn't feel connected to that channel before. And so we do find that product developers and UX designers and people working in software and the tech world uh, are just great people full of compassion and have big hearts for a community and maybe haven't found that channel to give back. You know, we do loads of meetups and we do pizza and beer and we like, you know, collaborate and stuff like that. But there's not a massive element of that that's outwardly focused. So that's what we're tapping into is, you know, young tech movements and people who want to be connected to the community in a new way, utilizing technology and and forming connection and community.
0: It's not an advert on TV anymore or a web page or anything. It's really that... It, it's interesting, you, you you talked about purpose, it's finding your purpose, finding your niche and making it accessible to those who, yeah, you're doing the 12 to 12 or, yeah. you know, 24 7, 365 <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> which, we're, which we all do in, in our own way, right? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I find that fascinating, you know, and you've made it accessible, you made it easy, but you know, you also made that human connection through the digital medium as well. Like yeah. you were saying, you know, you can talk to Jane and her family, or you can see your effects on jane and her family and that takes a lot of trust for you as the middle person yeah. you know, middle entity if you will you know going back to what you said at the beginning you're you're removing a component of that trust chain right that middle man that middle charity that middle agency if you will and you're yeah. allowing that to go from source to destination you know giver to receiver and then providing that like there's a social accommodation for that as well, I think, which is which is important. We, as as you said, and studies have shown it and we know it to be implicitly true. We are social creatures. We need, yeah. we thrive on connection, regardless of whether or not that connection is middle of the night with just fluorescent lights on and a screen glowing, but being able to see the efficacy of that. Yeah. So changing over to trust a little bit, because that is foundational what you're doing. You're you're engaging social trust, right? How do mm-hmm. I know that? You know, as as a receiver, that I can trust the sources, that this income, that this you know giving is, you know, something that I can use. Mm-hmm. But you're also having to buttress the trust of the giver. You know, a lot has been said. You know, you, you said the fiver for coffee. You know, yeah. there's always that that stigma that's associated, whether it be homelessness or you know some level of um, need. There's always a stigma that this is going to be used for something inappropriate. Yeah. Right? You know, and it gets character mischaracterized characterized all the time so how are you let's start with the giver how are you engendering trust from the giver's perspective and then also at the receiver end how how are you tying those two two things together
1: so one of the biggest so going back to there is is this money going to be spent on something harmful and um, that is a big i think that's a big issue when we first came to giving peer-to-peer and thinking about well why don't we just give people money if people are in need why do we need this um you know black box surrounding and why do we have to go through this middleman i suppose but um it, it is down to trust so that's why we give people food bags instead of um giving them money but what we're we're realizing now with technology and how far we've come in terms of fintech products is that we can actually give people a prepaid card and put money on that card instead of giving them a food bag. And then what we're able to do is... Um, limit high risk spend categories on that card so we're working with um, some great fintech players who are able to switch off merchant codes like off licenses gambling we even switch off cash withdrawal because we can't trace it and so what we're able to do is safeguard those donations for groceries, utility bills, transport, um, school shoes, uniforms, um, trips to the cinema, taking the kids out for a treat or getting birthday parties organized, and um, even saving up for a holiday. And you know, the, the, the guys on our program were able to save, and that's a big thing as well. So there's loads of options as a recipient. You know, if you're receiving Esther donations on your on your Esther card. Um, there are some restrictions there, and but there's huge amounts of choice. So instead of somebody handing you a food bag, you get the dignity of going to Tesco's or Asda or, um, you know, the store and getting your own groceries. And that feels really empowering as a mother or someone who is um, homeless and, and has always been handed charitable clothes. And... Um, it feels very empowering but also from a donor perspective it feels very safe so as a donor you're able to give and you know okay i'm giving you know one of our um recipients on the platform uh, john john isn't his real name but on the platform his name is john he's 43 he's homeless and he's been receiving 200 pounds a month now for i think about six months just to help him along with his basic needs, his hostel accommodation if he needs it, and um, giving him some hope and dignity, and kind of helping him move from that mind frame of uh, my life is hopeless, I'm never going to get out of this. To you know, I, there's people that believe in me. So um, you know, one of the one of the stories there that that I loved was that the first month that he got his Esther card and. Um, he went into Primark and bought himself new clothes so he was able to choose his own jeans and buy a new pair of brown shoes and he chose a belt and a shirt and a jacket and then he went to Starbucks and sat down and ordered himself a cappuccino and he told I know it's the best and he told his uh, because we work we work with great charities and Our charity workers kind of keep tabs and do relationship work, and um, you know, I know I talk about skipping out the middleman, but but they're still involved in that verification and that and that referral process. But our charity workers were just bowled over at how his self esteem um improved, and he was just overjoyed. He said that he sat in a coffee shop for the first time in like six years, and was wearing clean clothes that he chose, and he sat down and enjoyed his cappuccino, and he said like quote unquote, he said, I felt like part of society for the first time in years. And it just giving people things doesn't have that impact than giving them choice, empowerment, and dignity. And I think we have to give away just a little bit of trust to these guys. Um, There's, we mitigate the risk that it would trigger addiction or that it would could be abused, or it could be taken from them, or stolen from them, and used for whatever. So you know, we we put some safeguards on that card, but ultimately we give away a little bit of trust as well. And we say, look, we're not going to babysit you and, and hand you a food bag every week, and um, you know, you know, kind of ma- micromanage your recovery. We're going to give you a little bit of trust. We're going to say to you, we believe in you. Um, we think you you can do this. We think there's a better future and it's not us as an organization saying that we believe in you it's 15 people that have never met you that are donating their hard earned money mm-hmm. and putting it in your pocket and and that was something that really blew us away as well because when we started talking to john and other people on the recipient side what they the thing that came through from them is okay yeah i feel amazing having this choice But I can't believe that people believe in me and are cheerleading me on and are supporting me. So from kind of a psychology point of view, they just had this massive boost in morale that it's not an organization giving to me. It's not a government grant. It's not a homeless shelter giving me old jumpers and clothes that were hand down. These are real people in my city Supporting me and wishing me well, and for the recipient that just did incredible things, so I think we didn't expect that, and I think we had to get this thing up and moving to really watch um, how it was going to impact people's mental health, their social inclusion, and um, kind of the soft things around poverty like isolation and um, feeling of belonging, feeling of connection uh, they felt part of a community. Um, that wasn't just the homeless community or wasn't just, um, you know, mom's groups with people from difficult backgrounds. They felt part of something bigger and that was deeply uh, exciting for me to watch. So on the givers side, we have this feeling of purpose and connection and journey and this channel for philanthropy that felt better than just giving into a black box. And then from the recipient side, we're seeing poverty markers move in a massive way Um, and not just food security and, you know, addictions going down, but just mental health and inclusion and connection. And so that it's just been this wonderful thing to watch um, on on both sides of the spectrum. And I think as, you know, I don't know if you've watched like uh, on Netflix at the minute, there's a thing, there's a social dilemma where they're talking about, um, this is documentary on social media and they're talking about just the dangers of Facebook and the dangers of social media and just how technology is like ruling the world. And, you know, there's definitely a part of that where we need to be careful, but then you look at how technology can bring people together and it's incredible. It's amazing that you can take a piece of software and some savvy fintech and connect people across cities that would never, ever encounter each other and create connection and belonging and community uh, that's anonymous, but incredibly powerful.
0: Where were you guys 15 years ago when I was working in social <laughs> services? <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it, yeah. you, you, you check all the boxes, so to speak, right? You know, from a sociological standpoint, you're empowering people that wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity. You, you're, you're doing a lot of things you're doing, doing good with technology. And again, I think I I will definitely look at that, that Netflix show. I haven't seen it.
1: Yeah. I watch a lot
0: of TV anyway, but you know, like that, that's (laughs) that's incredible. Um, That you're able to operate within, you know, the guardrails that are given, right. You know, it's, yes, we understand the upsides and downsides of technology and what it can be used for good and Mm -hmm. for ill. Right and being able to do that. And I love the story of John. I think that's, that's, that's incredible. And I'm sure there's countless stories that if we had the time, we could go through. Maybe yeah. one day we should go through that. Um, so you've been working in Northern Ireland, right? right? And you know now you're looking at the possibility of moving that stateside? What's, we are. what's, what's the journey there?
1: What's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> well, yeah, tell me about it. So it's one of those things where, um, We've been, Belfast was always our test market and we're still continuing to grow here quite organically. Um, Businesses are starting to give through the platform. So we have four or five businesses in the city now beginning to give off their top line, off their profits and match funding employee uh, donations. And we're able to kind of run some nice dashboard, impact dashboards to those guys. So. Um, that's all happening in Belfast. And as soon as we've kind of established something in Belfast that's working, then we always wanted to take that and start piloting it in the US. So I think when we think about the US market, it's, um, it's bigger, it's more open. And there's, there's already people doing elements of this in the States. So in terms of mindset, I think, you guys are are there before anyone else generally speaking so when we went there in new york we did um we won the digital dna award and alistair cameron came with us and it was an an absolute blast it was brilliant we had a great time and we, we hung out in new york for for five days and we met a lot of people we met some charities and um there's already elements of this happening in the states so there's quite a few nonprofits that are just giving people cash handouts and we've seen this through the pandemic, where a lot of the large foundations were giving um, crisis funding, you know, a $1,000 a month for three months just to get people up and out of that um, debt that they would have gotten into because they'd been furloughed or lost a job. Um, So we're already seeing this. And what we want to do is take this wave of direct financial provision that We, honestly, when we were getting this concept running, we thought direct financial provision wouldn't have been mainstream for maybe another five years. And what's happened is the the pandemic has just brought that right into the now. People's giving behavior is changing, their mentality on how to tackle inner city poverty is changing. And so, you know, our opportunity is, is there. You know, the timing is now, the opportunity is in the US, and we really want to push... Out into that market and see where we can go with this. Um, it just so happened that a connection that we had in the fintech space was in Denver and sort of pulled us that direction and said, Look, Denver's a brilliant city. It's small enough that you can get your head around it. Whereas New York is huge.
0: Yeah, so, is. That
1: was kind of it, our first kind of We went to New York. It was like, Why don't we pilot here? It's like, it's enormous.
0: <laughs> choose your borough. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck.
1: <laughs> Tiny, mini little cities all over New York. Exactly. You. So, Denver's kind of manageable in terms of its structure. Um, it's got some really fantastic charities that we've already been speaking to and kind of got on board. Um, and so, and there's a great tech community. So, when you look at Colorado as a whole, you know, you've got some really strong tech footholds there, which is really where we pull a lot of our donors from, which sure. is like founders and entrepreneurs and, and CEOs and things like that. So it just made sense for us to kind of take that smaller ecosystem and really run hard at it. So we've got, um, we've got two programs that we're looking at running in Denver. Uh, the first one is a homeless program that we're kind of working on at the moment. We're doing direct financial provision for people who are ready to move off the streets. Um, Part of that is rehab because in the US, you guys don't fund, your government doesn't fund rehab as far as we've learned. Uh, Whereas in the UK, obviously that's on the NHS and people can go through rehab whenever they want. And it's just not the same over there. So there's, there's a huge problem in terms of you know addiction services and availability of those services to people with zero income Mm, so that's the first thing we're going to start crowdfunding for people you know needing to get into that rehab facility and then get into subsidized housing and then to be really cared for by volunteers and, and people in the charity community and uh, different church organizations and things like that coming around them. And um, so that's kind of what we're looking to do, is we're looking at the, the ecosystems that are already in existence and the care systems for these guys, but for us to kind of put direct financial provision behind that and fund people's journeys to, to recovery off the streets. So if you're, if you're passionate about seeing people um, really come off the streets and, and given that opportunity and that, that chance, um we we will be launching that really, really soon. Um which that's is really, really, really
0: soon. What's really, really soon.
1: End of October. So
0: <laughs> I, I, that is really, really soon.
1: <laughs> it is really soon. Yeah, we've got the first guys, um, we've got the first guys on the platform. The thing that's interesting about the US program is that the the homeless guys are happy to be seen and known. Whereas in Belfast, they, I think maybe because it's a smaller city, they were quite sort of identity protected. Mm-hmm. But uh, the guys that we have on the Denver pilot are very happy to have their identities known and their pictures out there. So we um, we have Chuck on. I, I'm happy to chat about these guys. Chuck has been homeless since um, he was a, a veteran, I think. And you'll know more than I do. But um, he was homeless just straight after coming home and really never um just through mental health stuff never really got off the streets so he's been on the streets for a long time and has just made the decision that like he he wants to move inside and he wants to start work so he wants to be retrained and he wants to go back to work so he's on on the platform he's a real character um steve is is on the platform he's homeless as well and he wants he well first of all medically he needs a an electric wheelchair so he's Mm. on crutches at the minute and he's um really his mobility is very bad so that's our first protocol is to get him kind of up and running medically and make sure he gets a wheelchair and get him sorted and then he'll need just basic income for his utility bills and uh, we need to get him inside as well so we're working on organizations that can help us with housing um and then there's jeff and jeff is someone who just he has been on the streets for a long time but he's Jeff is is got severe diabetes and he just needs end of life care so he's probably only going to live for another year and a half and we just don't want him to have to be on the streets for that period of time where he's been diagnosed with sort of a chronic illness and he's still sleeping under under a bridge and you know it's just those stories where um I think putting a a story behind someone and then having someone verify that person, you know, and stand beside them to say like, this guy really is Anita, he's genuine and we want to care for him. Um, So those are the type of people we're really focusing on in Denver are people in very chronic systemic poverty who just are in desperation. And that's where we're, I mean, it's brave as a young organization to kind of wade into that. But we're leaning heavily on some some great assistants and some great charities who, who know and understand this space. So um, in humility and with a, an attitude of learning, we are kind of stepping in and seeing where we can help.
0: Uh, that's amazing. Um, like I said early on, well, before we even started recording, you know, I have a lot of friends that live in Colorado live in Denver area and love to get them connected with you and see how they could help as well i think it's in, you know as we build our virtual communities as well i think there's amazing opportunity for that and supporting something that's humanitarian you know like it's it doesn't take much it doesn't take hardly anything at all and you've you've made it easy to move from source to destination from giver to receiver and you've put a lot of trust in that center yeah. aspect of things you know i i haven't met you in person but i can trust you for sure i got the meet alish i got the meet alish <laughs> I, I mean you're all good right oh, but, you know in this digital identity kind of space and, and everything that's going on there i mean trust is so foundational but it, it sounds like and i believe it to be true i mean we wouldn't be talking if i didn't believe in the mission of it as well you know it sounds like you're you're getting everything organized and yes the, the u.s is a wild west when it comes hey. to new, the capabilities that can be delivered and, and, and the people here, you know, wildly divergent, wildly, you know, um, wildly unsupported sadly enough in a lot of these different areas. And I think again, given that kind of remote work shift, you know, if I, if I may, and the shift to going from a centralized office to remote offices where people are now spending more and more time in their local geographic community. Yeah. And having to build so new true. relationships.
1: Oh my goodness, so true. Yeah,
0: and I think you know what yeah. you're doing is is incredible, and we got to get you out to Boston. We got to get you working out yeah. here too. It's a it's a little big city, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, it would maybe a little, little bit
0: more sprawl. City. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but. <laughs> but that's a really good point, actually, that people are now. So scattered back into their hometowns, and that's a really powerful place for professionals that are connected to large corporations to be and to be influencers and champions in that in that world that they now live in um that that's really exciting that is really yeah. exciting
0: you no longer can just ignore things because i i wasn't <laughs> there You know, it's all of a sudden seeing, you know, the school board is meeting this week. Why am I all of a sudden paying attention and really concerned about what's happening there or city governance or any of these kind of things? You know, that social activism, I think, kind of comes back in uh, into focus. So, you know what? It's been incredible. I have enjoyed talking with you. Absolutely. And I I look forward to hearing more news about Denver. I'm sure we're going to intersect at some point with, with Alistair because he just manages to bring everybody. together.
1: He's everywhere.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I know I'm planning to do some more work with, with Ignite um, as well and Chris and, and the team over there. So, You will see more of me. I hope to see more of you and Eilish and the wonderful things that Esther is doing. So thank you so much for your time. It's
1: been my pleasure. What a joy to chat to you. Uh, Have a great weekend. um, I'm sure we'll touch base soon. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us today at Elemental Collision. If you'd like to know more about Esther, please go to esther.org.uk or ElementalCollision.com. Thank you for listening.